Welcome to another episode of Dollar Dorks. This is episode 14. On this podcast, we aim to share video game buying and selling tips, uh, give suggestions of games to watch out for, provide tips on how to fund your collection with your collection, and hopefully change the perception people, some people have of resellers in the video game collecting community. Uh, our guests today are Chris, CWR2, the flea market ninja. We have Jay. He is a eBay and Amazon reseller and a creator of uh, Bolo Rama Pickers Lounge, a Facebook group for resellers. And I am Derek of Two Dorks. So we are going to start off a little bit different today into what's new. Uh, Chris, what's new? <laughs> with, uh, with me? Uh not much, but I heard you went to the Berry Game Exchange. I, I did go to the Berry Game Exchange. That was uh, just on Sunday. Uh, today is Thursday. So uh, that was a big video game swap uh, in Barry, Ontario. Uh, and we'll get into it a little bit uh, later on in the show, too, to get into the numbers that I of what I sold and stuff. Um, and uh, well, I know you we, like it when I jump ahead on your Yeah, outline. yeah. Well, no, it's good. I, that's what I was kind of thinking is a little shoot the shit and give us a... Uh, so, I mean, how did you think? You think it was a good turnout? It was. Uh, I actually should probably figure out from Hodge how many people actually showed up. Uh, I would say it was probably the same as uh, the last show, which was in August. Um, maybe even more. It's hard to say because uh, I remember last show they came over saying that they ran out of tickets. They had more people than they expected. So they actually had to make up their own tickets. And this time I didn't hear anything like that. So maybe they're just more prepared. <laughs> but the venue is pretty big. It's a huge hockey arena or hockey rink. So... Uh, it's hard to tell if the place is actually full or not, but, uh, yeah, in terms of sales, uh, I, I did just slightly less than last year. So it's, uh, it was good numbers. I would say for a number of people. And you got to hang out with the other club members, right? Yeah. That was awesome. So I saw the, the grand picture with the J rock taking yep. center stage. You see J rock center stage. He saves that spot for himself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's always a, <clears throat> such a startling difference between um, J-Rock's pose and Kevin's pose. <laughs> Kevin, can't, <laughs> Kevin can't look more uncomfortable and, uh, you know. You should watch the latest STC pickup oh, video because they, they highlight that difference for you. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I haven't well, watched we're gonna, let's move on to the next section here. This is uh, your last noteworthy deal, pickup, purchase, or sale. Uh, anything you just want to talk about or, or mention. Um, and then there's kind of, you know. Anyway, we'll start off with Chris. What's the last thing you bought you uh, want to talk about? Well, uh, a few weeks back, I, I uh, tracked down um, a fairly old uh, let go um, ad. For an Atari, uh, well, it said Atari box on it. it. Said Atari computer box for fifty bucks, and uh, it's a it's a fairly uncommon box at this point. I mean, not that it was uncommon when it was produced, but you know, it's a it's a second gen, but really early, like nineteen seventy eight. Um, it's a light sixer model, but um, it was just a box, and at fifty dollars, it's probably about what it's worth. But I figured, you know, if I can talk to them, maybe I can haggle them down. Um, so I communicated with her. She said that uh, she would take 40. I didn't even like even haggle at that point. And I was like, okay, well, let me take a look at it. So I went over there, pretty thugged out <laughs> environment. Um, 
when I got there, I guess uh, she had already left to go run to the store or something. And, I, I think uh, you should really stop and emphasize how dangerous that neighborhood was. Like, we literally did a safety check between me and you before you uh, got out of the car there. Well, right, that was the second trip. This was the first trip, though. The second trip, for sure. Yeah, I was talking to Jay on the phone. I'll get to that, though. Um, so the first trip, um, me and my son, uh, my my middle boy, we, uh, we walked up to the door, not really thinking much about it, and... Um, like two pretty hardened looking gang members came out, you know, neck tats, eye tattoos, you know, the whole nine, right? And uh, you know, they were pretty defensive, like, you know, what do you need? What what are you doing here? You know, and it was just like, Oh, you know, we had like a let go offer or something, you know, I'm coming here for the for the Atari. And then they're you know, then they got you know, then they were like polite at that point. They're like, Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, let me call her and so they called her and then uh said that she would be right back or whatever. So I was like, Okay, so uh, you know, like you know, they went back in the house. They were done talking to us. So uh, we, we kind of waited by the curb. You know, I just I didn't really want to stand that direct to the house in, in fear of a drive by or something like kind of half joking, but kind of half serious, you know. So a uh, couple minutes later, you know, they had been about 10 minutes at that point. And I'm like, ah, man, I wonder when she's going to get here. So this Mustang comes by, you know, peeling out, spinning, you know, like he whipped the car back around. They're yelling at the house. Like three or two dudes come out, you know, pretty aggressive, talking about telling somebody on the phone, I'll fucking be right there, you know, like all mad. And and uh, so they get to the car and the one guy's talking about if he had his gun and they throw a crack pipe out the window and shatter it in the front of their neighbor's house. And I'm just like, this wasn't the environment I wanted to take my son to. So so I tell him, I was like, you know what, uh, let's just kind of nonchalantly roll out, you know. So we just started walking back to the truck and right as we got in, the guy's like. I mean, it was such a night and day thing. He went from like hardcore OG gangster to, oh hey buddy, um, she's pulling up right now. Like, like I was just like, oh okay, and she did, and then she went in and uh, she said something about games. So then I was like, cool, because that's what I was hoping that it wasn't just going to be the box that it was just kind of like a mislabel. So she brought out complete uh, boxed up Atari and. You know, she wanted 40 and I and I was going to haggle her down because, I mean, she started right off the bat telling me like she just wanted to get rid of it. And that's usually a sign of weakness and negotiating, you know. And um, but then she mentioned that she had some 64 stuff. And I was like, well, all right, maybe I'll just pay like, you know, me and Jay, a couple other people. I don't know. We call, it's kind of like paying the price of admission. You know, you you pay a little extra up front and then you haggle on the back end, you know. So uh, so I went ahead and I just I didn't even haggle with her, went ahead and. You know, we sealed up the deal, left my number, told her how, you know, I was real interested in the rest of her stuff. Let me know. Week later, she finally gets back to me um, telling me, uh, hey, you know, check the app. I'm going to list up the 64 stuff right now and tell me if you want it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Just text it right to me. <laughs> so she did. She was telling me her power was out. And I believe her because I could barely see what was in the picture. Like one of the games, I couldn't even tell. I had to send it over to Jay, ask him if he knew. He couldn't even make it out. So oh, uh, I mean that the image that she provided it, it couldn't have been better than like 160p resolution. It's it looked right. like it was taken with like a toaster oven. It was so bad. It really was. Um, so, anyways, I'm on my way up there, and, well, and then she also mentioned she had a couple of Game Boys for five bucks a piece, and I told her, you know what, I'll take those two, just throw them in. And then she says something about a 3DS, and I was like, you know what, look, I'll, we'll just talk about it when I get there. So uh, on the way, I decided to call Jay, just kind of bullshitting with him a little bit, and I'm telling him like. Uh, I was like, hey, you know, because uh, this was a lot later, you know, I'm, I made the joke on Twitter. It's like I'm going to I'm going to go back in the morning when they're sleeping type of thing. <laughs> and uh, so this is their prime time. But 
uh, everybody was cool. I mean, dude, there was another. I mean, there was. I don't know how many people live in that house, but I don't know half of the Sorenos around here must live in that place because this guy is all face tattooed, and but he couldn't have been any nicer. And uh, got a um, pretty good, you know, pretty decent uh, ten game lot, uh, sixty four four controllers. You know, they got busted up sticks, but you know, other than that, every, the price was really good. She threw in, and then of course one of the poke, uh, one of the Game Boys was a Pokemon color, so I mean, uh, you know, the Pokemon Game Boy color. Yep. So that was a nice little bonus. Uh, the 3DS was a uh, Gen One, but working really good, perfect condition. I mean, it's missing the stylus, but anyways, I got We're a pretty good package deal. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like I mean, I can get a stylus for like a couple of bucks or whatever. But uh, anyways, it was a pretty good deal overall, and that was like my. But uh, Jay, you got a pretty good deal. What'd you get in your shop here recently? Yeah, so those of you who don't know, I have a uh, non-traditional shop. I guess that's the best way to put it. I run a shop that operates out of my dining room. And as, as weird as that sounds, we're actually one of the highest rated game stores in all of Central California and even a little bit beyond that. Um, you know, we have like a huge emphasis on like great customer service. And because of the way we do do our business, we have incredible margins. So we're able to pay customers really well who are looking to sell stuff. And we're also able to give really competitive prices to people who are buying stuff. And part of that just kind of stems from being a gamer myself. It's, you know, nobody wants to get hosed on either end. You know, we all want deals buying. We all want good deals selling. But I had a lady come in and I always find it a little bit weird when we get some modern stuff coming into the shop. But she brought in a Nintendo Switch and it had uh, Cart 8, it had Zelda, Breath of the Wild, it had 1-2 Switch. Uh, what else did it have? It had Mario, Mario Odyssey. Odyssey. Yeah. And then uh, the new Kirby game. And it also yep. had a spare set of the Neon Yellow Joy-Con. Yep. And then a, a dock and it had the tr like a premium travel bag. Like it's like a $30 or $40 mm -hmm. like hard slash soft travel bag. And then the dock and the cables and everything. And I got a what I consider to be a pretty insane deal on it. I ended up dropping uh, uh, 200 bucks and then another like 15 bucks store credit towards another game for the entire setup. And I mean, we're probably going to pull close to 600 plus on yeah. it all day long. So it, it was a great little score. But, you know, it's not often switches come in. And I asked her her motivation because, you know, whenever you're in this industry, you know, and you're like, I guess, behind the counter, so to speak, and we see stuff like that come in, we, we need to know that you know, it, it's not stolen and that they're not selling it to go buy drugs or anything like that just for legal purposes. Uh, and she said, oh, yeah, no, we just have a second one, you know, because they have like a family with a, the boy goes back and forth between the parents on weekends. So yeah. he has another one over there and the one that they have here, he never touches. You know, he's got a PS4 and Xbox One. So they're like, yeah, he has all the same stuff at the other house. So we just thought we'd sell it and put it towards something else. I'm like, hmm, okay, we'll be happy to take that then. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. yeah, by the looks in the picture, man, that stuff looks almost store-bought. Like, it looks it's brand tidy. new. It's tidy. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that's missing is the cardboard box. But, I mean, other than that, it's as good as it's ever going to get. Nice. That's awesome. I've heard that about people that have stores, that people bring things to you, and you're like, I never would have expected someone to bring this in. And if you, you didn't know, have a store. If you, a, if you got a minute for a wild story, I mean, I, there's a competitor shop in our town. It's called... Uh, we're not even going to give them the credit of giving them their name, but they've been established <laughs> for about 30, 35 years. And a customer had called me and said, Hey, you know, I've got some stuff, but I called this other store and you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm fed up. They, 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 they told me that I was a liar and that I didn't have these things and not even to waste their time calling. Don't even come down. And I'm like, well, that's a little crazy. And he's like, I'm like, what do you even have? He's like, I got these Nintendo games, but they're brand new. 
And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, they're brand new in the plastic, and they're telling me that that's not real. It doesn't exist. I'm like, I'll tell you what, just come on down. And this was before I had really started growing. I may have only been in the business for six months to a year at that point. And this guy walks through my door, and he has like a box, like a legitimate-sized box with about 20 sealed games inside of it. And we're not just talking duds. There's a couple that, you know, even the sealed ones, I haven't even seen another loose copy since. Like there was, I think it's called Street Patrol. It's another, what is it? uh, No, Street Cop. Street Cop, yeah. Yeah, you had Street Cop, uh, Friday the 13th, Castlevania. Castlevania 1. Right. You know, there was some some pretty heavy stuff in there. And like I said, I've never even seen a cartridge-only Street Cop. I've only seen a sealed one, which is so crazy to think. And he has it all laid out. I'm like, dude, how much are you trying to get for all this? You know, like, what are you, what are you trying to get? He's like, uh, he's like, I don't even know what's, what's fair. I'm like, dude, just, just try me. Give me, give me a crazy number. And he's like, uh, could you do like 30 bucks? I'm like, not too high. I'm like, no, man, no. He's like, could you do like 20 then? I'm like, dude, stop. I'm like, you're going the wrong direction. So I walk to the back and I come back up. I hand the guy 500 bucks. And I'm like, I'm like, we can do this for now. I'm like, call me up in like a week. We'll see what we can do for you. And side note to the story, you know, this asshat, and I call him that now because he called me like an hour later saying that I try, I scammed him. He says that he felt like that, uh, that I, I didn't give him enough money. And I'm like, dude, you tried to, tried to sell him to me for like 20 bucks. I'm like, be thrilled you got your 500. And I'm like, and I'm like, just, just, just don't call me back again. Cause I would have legitimately given him more money, but I mean, who does that? Yeah. Well, that's not even the first time you've had that situation. Um, I'll tell a little bit of this one, and you can go ahead and take over. But um, I had went to Jay's house uh, to. He was letting me uh, upload some amiibos on my on my uh, Wii U because I wanted to put them in Mario Maker, and he told me that he had just got a call from a lady who was bringing in some games. Fire and Ice was one of them. Uh, you know, some good game, you know, the, the, some of the standards, Mario, uh, Zelda, stuff like that. But uh, one of them was Action 52. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, I didn't need Action 52. And and then uh, he goes, he's like, you know, it could be Cheetah Man 2. And I was like, yeah, right. I was like, I mean, yeah, I know it could be, but what's the odds of that? You know, I was like, whatever. And man, I wasn't 30 minutes away from his house. And he here I get a text message from him and... <laughs> Was fucking cheat him in two. <laughs> this this lady had bought it at a yard sale, just like a block or two away, for what, like twenty five cents a piece or she something. Bought it for a quarter, all the games for a quarter yeah. a piece. And we ended and up it making was like, it. Deal. It was two blocks away from me. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh yeah, it was just off of Fourth Street," and I picked them up over there. And she came in, and she, you know, and like I knew what it. Obviously, I knew what it was. But here's the thing that really shook me is that she, she had a friend, who worked at a competitor's shop, and yep. she went to that shop first, trying to sell the stuff. And they never took the time to flip the cartridge over. And, and, and I think the part of it has to do with the fact that there's some, and, and I'm not going to, I'm not saying this in a disparaging way about that specific brand. It's, there's certain shops out there that don't do their homework and they don't understand basic, oh, my apologies. They don't understand basic variants uh, when it comes to video games. You know, everything from like screw variants to label variants, but even some of the lore type variants, because I mean, I consider Cheetah Men Two to be, you know, a, a game of lore in a sense. You know, if you're not in the know, oh, you're it's holy grail for sure, man. And and so she went there. She didn't like the price that they'd offered him. So then she reached out to me and brought him to me, and she told me about. It. I'm like, how much did they offer you for everything? And I, I I think it was around like sixty bucks or something for the. Uh, I thought 
I thought it was. I could be wrong, but I thought you said she offered. He offered her a hundred bucks or something, and then you immediately doubled it or something like that, right? I mean, you know, it's, like it's certainly. It was like two and a half years ago at this point. It was right, like, but either you know, way, I, I think you, what I felt was fair at the time. Right. Know, all considered seeing, I I think she got a real low offer, and I countered it like a hundred and fifty maybe. But it, their offer was it was it was really really bad. All things considered, even if I hadn't known of their offer, I still would have offered right around where I did. Oh, and then she, she takes the money and she leaves. And then I, I go ahead and make a post on my business page immediately about it. it's like, holy cow, one of the rarest games comes walking into my shop. And I didn't really make a big deal of it in front of the customer because, you know, she was very satisfied with the amount of money that she was getting. She had no real understanding of what was there. And, and mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if two people can agree upon a price and they're both walking away happy, it's yeah. a good deal. You know, if one person walks away and they feel jaded, that's different. You know, we, we don't aim for that here. We want either you're happy when you leave with a deal or we just unfortunately don't make a deal. And that's going to happen sometimes. So she leaves, sees the post, shows her friend, the friend who works at the competitor's shop, and pretty much tells her to go back and get her game and, like, puts her up to it and, you know, tries to – say that she'll like ruin me online and she's going to cause all kinds of problems and stuff like that. And I'm like, Hey, I'm like, what do you even think is fair? And she pulls up an ad from like two years ago that says that we pay like X percentage on certain things. So we end up working at, we ended up having to resolve it out with her. I think I gave her another 130 or 140 think, bucks or something. I think you gave her like 130, 150 extra or something yeah, like that. On it, yeah, it was, it was, it was stupid that it had to happen that way. I mean, honestly, I'm still happy to have gotten the game. I'm still happy to have well, finished happy. up deal with it after. Yeah, Chris <laughs> is happy because he ended up with the game. We made yeah. a great deal that worked out for both of us. We, you know, it was a great deal for both of us. I, I, was got, very, I thought you were very fair. Wanted, and, and I got inventory that I needed, you know, because there's certain things that, you know, we need. Each shop's a little different. Some shops need consoles. Some needs controllers. But, yeah, so, she, you know, it was, it was a really negative action by a competitor. Uh, yeah. It was definitely a sour grapes for sure. Oh, yeah. It took a long time to clear the air after that. And it was even me being proactive about clearing the air with that shop. You know, now I would say we're on uh, fair relations. We can call each other about inventory, but there's still a there's still a bit of a difference in the way that they do business. You know, I get customers come in and they comment uh, regarding their online status and some of their reviews and stuff like that. And, you know, I just tell them it's just different shops. I tell them do business wherever you want to do business at, spend your money where you want to spend it. I had a kid, first time ever, Chris, I had this kid come into my shop and he was wearing a competitor's shirt, said the name and the logo right underneath of it. And I look at him like, mm-mm-mm. He's like, and then the father's like, he just realized in the car that he was wearing this. He didn't mean to, didn't mean to wear it over here. We're sorry. And I'm like, no, you don't have to apologize. I'm like, but it is funny though. It is. Funny. And here's I'm a like, t-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, here's something to replace that. You know, so no more mistakes. Yeah. No, I would have given him a shirt if I had one. And I looked at him. I'm like, you didn't pay for that. Right. He's like, no, no, they gave it to me. I'm like, good, 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 good. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, for me, uh, I was going to talk about, um, I had picked up a Game Boy Micro that I think I actually mentioned on this podcast. Uh, I picked it up back in February for 50 bucks with a bunch of games. Um, well, I sold the Game Boy Micro itself for 120 at the uh, Barry Game Exchange. This is in Canadian dollars, in case you're curious. What color was it? I'm curious. Uh, it was the just the black one with the silver front, uh, but it had the extra face plates. It had the fire faceplate and the camouflage faceplate with it and the faceplate remover tool and the charger and the silk carrying bag all with it 
So I got Whoa. that for 50 bucks with a bunch of games. Um, I sold the system for 120 and I also sold uh, Golden Sun and Pokemon Leaf Green with no label for 20 each at the, at the exact same sale. So about two months, I turned that 50 bucks into uh, 160 plus. I still haven't sold all the games yet, so... 20 bucks for a label as Golden Sun is insane. That's a, is that, was that Canadian as well or was that American? Uh, sorry, Golden Sun was, sorry, it's all Canadian. Uh, Golden Sun had a label, but Pokemon Leaf Green had no label. Sorry. Oh, okay. I said it a little bit weird. Uh, yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Were those faceplates on that, uh, micro, were those used or were they new? They were definitely used. Um, okay. the camouflage one had a crack in it. Um, and the, um, the silver one would have been perfect except one light scratch across it. Why is nobody on top of making replicas of those yet? I, think I know I've that the market's them. only like this big. Yeah, it's hard to tell I've if the ones that are on eBay, eBay are, are remake like replicas or if they're originals. It's hard to tell sometimes. I guess the price should be obvious, but I swear I've seen them on AliExpress, but I, I've never bought any because I've never kept a micro. I, I just, yeah. I never use, I wouldn't use it enough because it doesn't use regular Game Boy games, right? It has a nice screen. You know, yeah, it it's, does. A, it's a nice little tuck away. It's pretty it's bright. So it's so small. It's kind of cool. It's, yeah. it's I, I don't know if you remember the pink one that I had, Chris, or if you ever uh, if you remember yeah. seen that one. I, yeah, that's such, one. I love the pink one. Such a cool-looking console. I think that was either a UK or an Africa exclusive. I, know, I don't think it was okay. ever sold here domestically. At least it wasn't. Well, I guess Japanese wouldn't really matter. Or I don't think they're region-locked games, right? No, I don't think the GBA is region-locked. Yeah. All right, uh, moving on to the next section is what are you selling? So this is just something that you are selling on eBay, Kijiji, uh, Craigslist for you guys, uh, or something of selling soon. Uh, anything. It doesn't even have to be game-related. It can just be anything uh, you're selling. And we're starting off with me. So I have a whole bunch of stuff left over from the Barry Game Exchange. Uh, prior to the, ex- the Game Exchange, I obviously built up inventory, so I, I sold, I think, I had that written down somewhere below, but I sold about a quarter of what I took to the show. Um, so I have all that stuff left to do. I'm slowly putting up posts where I can, uh, eBay, Kijiji, Farage Sale and Let Go, um, Farage Sale and Let Go, if you don't know, or just, you know, those, uh, buy and sell apps. Kijiji is a lot like Craigslist for anyone who doesn't know, but it's, uh, it's actually owned by eBay and it's only in Canada as far as I'm aware. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's pretty much what I'm selling. Not real detailed, but it's a lot of stuff to go through, so. Uh, Jay, what about you? Anything you yeah, want to detail? I, I, I'm quite the variety seller, those of you who don't know. I sell everything from like women's jeans to surgical supplies to comics, antique glassware, you name it. I have some of it online. And then I've also been known for selling some really obscure video game things, like things that you wouldn't expect to find anywhere else. And I've built quite the following. I, I know people who will snatch my items up within moments of them going online because they have me on their watch list. But I'd say a couple of weird things that I'm selling right now. I have some uh, Pokemon Snap Kiosk Center uh, paper. So if you need like replacement paper or ink, <laughs> I have that available. I also have uh, privately, if you're looking for one, I have a Pokemon uh, Kiosk key. If you need access to one, if you're missing your original key and you need another barrel key, they're very hard to come by, but I have one of those. And if you're looking for something super high-end and obscure within the gaming industry, uh, I have a sealed case of the Operation... No, it's not Operation Genesis. It's the, it's the Jurassic Park for the Game Boy Advance. Um, I have a factory case of five or six of those uh, available on eBay right now, too. It's really cool because you don't see those factory cases for the GBA all that often. 
So very, very interesting item. Cool. Yeah, I see three different Jurassic Park games for GBA. Uh, you seen any cases? I think it's uh, which one? Park Builder, Island Attack, or DNA Factor. Are the yeah, three. I think it's Park Builder. Okay. Yeah, when you said Park, that's what I figured it was going to be. I'm just bringing it up on price charting just to see what the games were because I wasn't aware of any of them. <laughs> but yeah, if you jump on eBay, you'll find it. It's yeah. not hard to find. Cool. He'll cut you a good deal. Yeah, I will. I will. <laughs> I never pay a penny more than sticker price. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Chris, anything you got to talk about? Just as you're old, take a drink. <laughs> oh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll wait. Um, well, I think I might have mentioned it on the last podcast, but I had went to Toys R Us and I grabbed a couple of their store displays. One yeah. was a Mario, one was a Pikachu, and I don't really care about Pokemon, so I got that up on eBay. Got 14 watchers and 228 views, so it's getting some action. Nobody bit yet, so as we know, watchers aren't necessarily buyers, but better than not having any watchers, I suppose. And, I mean, besides all the normal random crap that I buy that's up there, besides, you know models and cameras and stuff like that i uh another thing uh i've told you about the micro cassette recorders that i sell that usually don't last very long usually a day or less another thing is uh they're transcribers they still use the same micro cassettes and uh usually the ones i come across are are um they're branded the olympus brand and they usually don't last very long this one I'm getting some traction on it. I might have it a little listed a little high, but uh, I've been very successful selling them. But I picked one of them up the other day for a couple of bucks, and and uh, I've man, these things gravitate towards me. About I don't know, about three years ago, uh, I was at a yard sale, and um, the girl I was with, she she's like, "Hey, look at this," and it's like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever." It's it's in the middle, it's in the way of the games, you know. <laughs> there was a bunch of <laughs> NES games and. So I was going through those, and uh, but she's like, "No, look what they sell for." I'm like, "Oh shit!" So I picked that up, and uh, since then I probably sold four of them. So this will be my my fifth. I don't come across them too often, but and it's it's so funny too because where I found it, I went to a yard sale late. It was kind of like the end of the day type of situation, and I had looked around and grabbed a couple little items, nothing special. And under the table in a box was this transcriber, and I knew what it was right away. And I'm just like, right on. And talking to the lady, she was telling me, you know, how much she made so much. You know, I've made so much money off of that thing. I guess she was a court transcriber or a doctor transcriber, something like that. She did it. She was telling me how the industry's dying and everything. She, I was like, I don't really care about all that. Just how much you want for it? <laughs> it's, like, it's like three bucks or something. I'm like, all right, fine, take it, got it. So. That's what I got going. You know, I got, I think, about 50 listings up. How many you got up, Jay? Probably about 500. Uh, currently just broke 800 again. <laughs> so I took some time off is what really killed me. I went from 1,500 to sub 500. Uh, I was starting a, another company, and uh, I took maybe nine months off of thrifting and listing. And then after I came back, I've just been hammering it for the last three months, to, to rebuild but you know obviously you know the number of listings up is kind of meaningless it's more about your sell-through right so Absolutely. sometimes i'll be i'll be more impressed by the person who you know put up 500 items but they sold 480 of them and they got yep. 20 listings left you know 
And I was gonna I was gonna jump in with a quick note for people on those micro cassette recorders because I know that sometimes you're in a rush and sometimes it's just not viable to look them up. You might be out in the sticks and you don't have any service. I always tell people the the quickest method, like if you have no access to the internet, is just understanding that the ones that do um, digital recording only are generally the the lowest performers, and yep. then the micro cassette is the second best one. Okay, and then the best best one you can get is both micro cassette and digital that you can record at the same time. Now those are like a needle in a haystack, hmm. but they they usually start at about seventy bucks used. Give yep. or take, and then go up I've from sold, there. I've sold two of them for, I sold one for seventy eight, and I think I sold one for eighty five. But it came with a little bit of extras. Dude, I had one missing the stop button, and I got a hundred and thirty dollars for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was blown. Yeah, if you away. catch the right brand, you you really got. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I mean, when they, when they're brand new, they're like two hundred and fifty bucks. I'd love to know who these people are that are yeah. in a retail store and they're looking at it and they're like, hmm. Yeah, I think $250 is an appropriate price to pay for something well, my, that my phone does for free. Yeah. Let's see, here's my theory, though, dude. Like, I, I've thought about this, and I think we've talked about it before, too. But to me, it has to be either one or two things or both. It either has to be like a student who's like maybe the college or the, the class bans phones, but they can use tape recorders yeah. to record like lectures and stuff like that. Or, I would say legal proceeding stuff like. Um, I thought you were gonna say like the husband trying to catch his wife or something. I no. really thought that was gonna be the next for that. No, no, like legal Spike proceeding. Hands for that. Yeah, like you know, like uh, you know, uh, whatever court cases or whatever, but stuff that you can have in a courtroom or in a arbitration setting type of thing where you could record. I'm, I'm, I have been so determined to actually ask one of my customers i'm just waiting i, I was gonna ask this last one they they've just got it they haven't put a feedback yet <laughs> and i don't like to rock the boat you know if i don't hear nothing from them and i don't get feedback i don't bother them but as soon as they put up the positive feedback i'm gonna message them and be like dude i gotta know <laughs> why, tell you, why do you I'm buy these in there one thing What's, okay if you want some extra feedback onto what is what is exactly going on I checked the cassette. Like, I always play the cassette. You got to play the cassette if there's a cassette in there. Yeah. You know, sometimes you're hearing music. Sometimes you're hearing, yeah, like you said, legal stuff. The, the last one I played, it was kind of, kind of disturbing in a sense. I still have the tape. It was a guy arguing with a woman, like, over custody shit. Like, they were arguing over, like, no, you had the kid last weekend. Why are you making up lies? And I'm just, like, listening to him, like, wow. I'm like, this guy shoved this in his pocket. He was getting ready for the get, shit. Like, yeah. yeah, he wanted to get an actual solid recording of it and and like here i am with the tape now and i'm like this is just so weird and then the other thing you touched on is messaging the customer after and i've done this a few times because like there's one that i sold a board game for like 250 bucks and now that's not like yeah that's a big deal all in its own regard but it was a huge deal because there was none active at the time and there was none completed within the last six months for this board game i just grabbed the number out of the air and it sold in 20 minutes and I messaged the guy, I'm like, hey, I'm like, I don't want to sound like crazy, but did I leave money on the table? Like, is it, I'm like, I'm going to package your item up and send it out. But even if it's worth like three grand and you just got it for 250 bucks, I'm like, I just have to know. And he's like, oh, no, like we got it because me and my brother used to play it when we were kids. And I've been waiting for one of these to show up for about four years now. So the moment I saw it, I just went ahead and bought it. I didn't care about the price, but that was probably about as much as I was willing to spend. I'm like, Good to know. Okay, good to know. Yeah, but sometimes I'll message people after. I'll be like, hey, 
did I leave money on the table? Like, you know, just throw me a bone if I come across one of these again. And I actually had a guy tell me once, he's like, yes, you did. I actually did leave money on the table. And you know what it was? Freaking Atari controllers. And I had no clue that there was a difference on the Atari controllers, the paddles, the ones that say paddle and the ones that say Atari and the ones that say like racing on them. Hmm. And uh, there, there's a huge difference. Some, some of them are worth $20. Some of them are worth like $50. And then I just learned that like 95% of all the Atari controllers I've ever sold are non-OEM. I didn't realize that there was an extra Atari symbol that goes on top that's like in gold uh, for the OEM Atari uh, joystick controllers because I found one the other day. And I'm like, that's weird. It's not really the fact that it's OEM. It's the first run. The the ones that go with the original Heavy Sixer, um, they have a little indention where your thumb would go. But uh, the reason that indention is actually there is because there was these little Atari, like hard plastic that were glued like on crystals. the top. Yeah. Right. And that they would sit on the top. And most of the time, those things falling off. So when you do usually find the controllers, that's how you could tell if it's a. And also the cords are a little shorter, too. But it'll, uh, it has like a thumb impression where you can kind of put your thumb in it. This one actually had like a gold embellishment on top. Like on the flat part, you know, where you hold. I, I'm, I'm giving you hand signs right now. I know you can't see my video. No, but yeah, basically basically imagine where the, the butt of your hand would go if you're holding the joystick. There was a gold uh, 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 relief coming up off the surface of it. I'll have to send you a picture of it later. But okay. I remember seeing it. I'm like, I've processed, what, maybe 200 Atari controllers over the last five years. And it's the first time I've ever seen one like that. But I go online and the comps are like 19 bucks for them. So it's nothing too, too crazy. But those paddles, I will say this, definitely check your paddles. Whenever you're listing something, make sure your comp is identical to the comp that you're working with. Don't think that your little difference isn't a big deal because most times it is. Good to know. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, uh, we just went through what you're selling. We didn't get to Chris, did we? Oh, we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. I said the Pokemon stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm selling no, we Anna's right now. All right. Uh, next section was Tip Corner, which you kind of just did provide tips. <laughs> I got I got more. Don't worry. All right. Well, you're up first. Uh, Am I? Yep. So anything that annoys you or uh, <laughs> useful to know or um, where to find deals, buying or selling? I would say the most important thing for anyone – as a reseller, as a game collector, influencer, whatever you're doing within this space, don't burn bridges. I know that there's that one guy that's maybe like super cocky about what he's doing. I used to be that guy. But there's going to be that person that's going to rub you wrong and they're, they're maybe they're, like, their stuff's way too priced up or just something, something about them or the way they're doing business. Don't even burn that bridge. Always keep your bridges stable because you never know when that person's going to come across with something that you've been looking for, or you might have the thing that they've been looking for and they're going to give you a really generous deal out of it. I would say keep all your bridges intact, especially with all the local stores in town too. Keep those bridges intact because once you burn them, I mean, you don't realize like you could burn one person. Not, and I'm not saying like give them a bad deal, but just decide that you don't like them and you don't want to work with them. And guess what? They might be like besties with a third of the other resellers in town. And they might not want you doing business with them either. So I would say just be friendly, be cordial, enjoy the process, and don't burn your bridges. That's good. Okay. The next tip is from me, and I don't, I don't even have one. I have not thought of one. I'm sure I'll find one by the end. <laughs> so skip me. <laughs> like I said, if I get, if I start rolling, I can't think on uh, ad hoc once we start doing the uh, 
the podcast. Go ahead. Me and Chris, Chris will fill in the gap for yeah, you. Right. No worries. Well, I'll, I'll just I'll kind of go back to my Atari slash sixty four deal. Um, look for old ads and still hit them up because just like that Atari, that was a lot of people looked at it and were like, "Fuck that! I ain't paying fifty dollars for a box." And besides the fact that maybe that's exactly what she wanted for a box, but you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. You know, my whole thought process was, what if she has something else? You know what I mean? Rarely does somebody only have one thing. It happens, but usually they have something else. They have another game system, or even if it's not even video game related, it might just be something else you want, like comic books or toys or some sort of electronics. But when you get your foot in the door, you're open up a dialogue with a complete stranger and the, the opportunity is limitless. You don't know what they have. They can have anything. They have connections. They have cousins. They have sisters or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you don't really know where it could go. And if it's worth it could be worth your time, it was worth mine. So check yeah. those old ads and ask questions. Related to that, I would say also vague ads or or bad pictures. Say say it's or like no you picture. said, yeah, or no picture. Follow up right. if it seems interesting, or if you're just curious what it even is. Because I've had that to, work I out used for to make me. Make a living doing that. I, I would go on Craigslist. I would find the worst ads possible, especially ones without pictures. I would call them up, negotiate the deal, go visit them in person, negotiate further because now I'm finally seeing it, and you can always I can find something wrong with any item. And this was before I had a shop. Negotiate the price down further. Come home. Clean it, stage it, take a gorgeous picture with a nice backdrop, immediately relist it, and flip it the same day for a 50% profit or more because I put the work in. That's why I always tell people, you know, you, you put in half the work, you get half the value, half yep. the pay. They're you know? leaving money on the table because they're not putting yep. any effort uh, in. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> and if they're fine with that, like you said, they're happy with the deal. They're just happy it's gone. No one else is interested in it, so you might yeah, as well you be didn't able go, to resell. <laughs> you didn't go with a gun. You went with your with your mouth and you talked. And a, you know, you went with work. You know what I mean? So if they uh, if they give it up and shouldn't be no sour grapes as long as, uh, you know, you did it right. Yep. I love it when I get messages like this. It says, is it all right if I send you all SNES games I'm willing to sell? Lot of 26 games have pics of all the labels, too, if you'd like. Yes. Please. Yes, please. And I'll keep you guys I'll keep you guys posted as to what comes in in this lot. I'm trying. I, I've done business with this. Oh, it's. It's my uh, uh, a guy that wants to become a reseller, and I guess he had a talk with his girlfriend, and I guess he's going to go in the direction of not doing it himself, and he's going to work with it. It wasn't sunny, was it? No, <laughs> no. I, and he's still holding out. I even told him too. I'm like, dude. I'm like, I know you got more stuff. Bring it on through. So briefly, there's this guy who's been steadily bringing Jay. Super Nintendo games for what about two years now? And we're not just talking a few. We're probably we've probably gone through over a third of the library at this point. It's been and, and the pre- and premium titles. I mean, some of them are common, but a lot of premium titles is coming from this dude. We've got the all of them. Found SOS Evo. Um, you know, like really, really good, like premium, especially a lot of mid range. Like we had Artie come in the other day, and you don't yep. see that oh, one ever. I, I you know? see it. It's right here on my show. I wonder where it came from, man. <laughs> yeah. Does it say, does it still say Sonny on it? No, I cleaned that shit <laughs> off. Okay. That's the that's the thing I was gonna say. He writes Sonny, his name, I guess, on every game. Dude, I tell you, once you get one of the ones that comes in, that's like a two three hundred dollar title that says it on there. You should just keep it on there, just as like <laughs> as paying homage to the original <laughs> collection. That's what I would do personally. 
But then I want to know the background story. Did he buy these new, or is he just a, a collector too that's picked them up from garage sales? Or that would make me curious. I I have a lot of theories about this, um, but I, I don't have a concrete answer because there's only so far you can you can you can delve before you kind of cross a line with a customer. Yeah. Because I've I've asked him. I'm like, and I'm like, dude, I'm like, this stuff isn't hot, right? He's like, no, 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 it's not hot. It's just you know. Some of it belonged to my father. Some of it belonged to me. And, you know, we're, we're just looking to sell some of it now. And he even came in one day. And this is how I know he has more. He brought me a, a massive box full of Super Nintendo manuals and boxes for every single game that he had brought me so far. Mm. Plus every single game he had brought me after. Plus all the games that I haven't seen yet. So to so me, to me I mean, the way it, was, it comes off. It was off. like 200 plus boxes. Jesus. To me, it comes yeah. off as he's got a collection, he wants to keep it, but he's selling it because he needs money. That's the impression I get when he brings like, it in pieces. You now. are far too bright-eyed, bushy-tailed about it. And, and uh, okay. the way I perceive it is that, and uh, no disrespect, it's just, yeah. I guess you get a little bit more perspective the further you go in as a retailer opposed to being a general collector. I think what's happening is he might be skimming some of his father's titles here and there and you know he's obviously sharing the money with him because he lives with him but i i think that he he might be selling a little more than his father might want him to sell you know? i think he's he's buying meth but i haven't met the guy so i don't know i i have no clue that, there's the already light foot <clears throat> i wish that label was a little tidier they're all bad dude this is a late release uh majesco it's it's always I can clean up that a little bit if you nah, want. No, I don't want you to do that. Okay. I, I do uh, just Here's so you, a legend. I, I don't like uh, uh, replace labels, but there is a method you can use with like actual paint. So I even have a paint pen right here. And you can go and you can do some light touch-up. I'm not saying like go in and like hardcore do fills and stuff like that, but you can do light touch-up on especially blacks and whites. You can do a little bit of cleaning up. And I got Sharpie. It's no different than hitting it with a magic eraser and pulling Sharpie off. <laughs> well, you guys are talking about your eBay listings before. I don't want to make you jealous or anything, but I have five. Oh, that's dude. it. <laughs> I let all mine expire just before the the sale as well. I only probably had never 15. let a listing expire. No, I know? intentionally did because I didn't want to be taking the stuff to the swap while it's uh, on eBay and have it sell on eBay while I'm at the swap. No, was... don't they have service there? Yeah, they do. But I was too busy dealing with the people uh, to remove ads. I, I actually had one uh, game that I thought I had removed. Actually, two, three. Three games I thought I had removed or, or set to expire, but apparently did not. And uh, one of them sold today. But luckily, it was something that didn't sell at the swap. Yeah. Which is good. Well, that's <clears throat> So I have about a, a bunch of listing to do. Some of them I can just repost anyway, so it's not bad. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Hey guys, Dean Lasagna here from Round 2 Gaming, and I wanted to quickly jump in to let you know about one of my favorite gaming podcasts, Flock Talk. Miles, Chris, and Catherine put on a fantastic show for you each and every month, covering theme topics ranging from puzzle games and escape rooms to gaming aspirations and best of moments. Whether you're into video games or board games or card games, I guarantee you'll find that geek culture enjoyment you're looking for. Hilarious hosts, witty banter, top-notch quality, Flock Talk from the Flock of Nerds crew. Check them out on iTunes or head on over to www.cartridgeclub.org to join in the fun. 
And we're back. So the next section is story time. Um, so any story to tell, uh, a failure, lesson learned, the hard way, anything like that. Um, Chris, you're up. Got anything? Well, okay, I'll, I'll give a little have a story. brief. Yeah, I'll, I'll give a little. <laughs> you guys story. have told like I, six already, but right, I'll, I'll tell a small one. Like um, when I first started selling on eBay, right? You know, it was a uh, probably 2012. I think is when I finally started selling. Maybe 13. It might have been 2013. But um, I, you know, it, to someone who hadn't actually done it, it might have seemed a little intimidating. But I was seeing this guy Jay, you know selling stuff on eBay, selling stuff in his house and all that. And I've all, I've never been a stranger to selling things. I mean, I've sold cars, I've sold all kinds of stuff, you know, whatever. When I was even, when I was even elementary, I used to sell pencils, you know, like I would get them from the pencil machine and they used to have like NFL pencils and there were certain ones that were desired and I would upcharge them. So I was a, I was an evil pencil reseller even back then. (laughs) So, um, so, you know, I'm over at Jay's house and he's telling me about eBay and how simple it is. And and I'm sitting there watching him do it. And I mean, I, I sat there and watched a guy, you know, show me how to list something really quickly, how to, you know, go through it, how to clone the listing. I mean, it was all real simple, real quick. He, he, he definitely um, it was a it was a really easy way to learn. You know, I mean, he, he did it. He did it in a way in a way that was very easy to digest. And then he actually had something he, he already had sold, and he showed me how he printed it and everything. So, I mean, along we were in and out in like 30 seconds. Like it, on it was the listing and 30 seconds on the, the printing and packing. Right. It was quick. Right. Yeah, because earlier you were doing it with your iPad. You were showing me how you did the listing, and then, and then we went into your uh, other room that you had your printer set up, and you printed out. But, I mean, it was, it was just pretty cool, and, you know, like I'll always be grateful for that. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I know I could have figured it out on my own at some point, but, you know, like, um, it's always quicker to learn something when you have someone who's showing you in a, in an easy, you know, like a digestible kind of way, you know? Dude, I, even, I even told you about that today, like, cause we were talking about the software that I'm using to record the software that, um, Derek, yep. right. Derek is using to record, uh, you know, that OBS. I mean, it took me like four or five hours to figure this thing out on my own. There's a lot of little nuances to figure out. And I was telling you on the phone today, I'm like, dude, I'm like, get with me on the phone like 15 minutes before the show. I'm like, we can, we can bang this whole thing out. If you have somebody showing you and presenting it and saying like, these are the bits to worry about. Don't worry about any of this other stuff. It makes it so much better. The learning experience. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, just a short, short and sweet story. But Jay, I want you to touch on Amazon a little bit. Oh boy, Amazon! Here a little bit. I mean, how'd you get started on Amazon? Give a. Amazon has been the most interesting and uh, uh, rewarding and frustrating and time-consuming but time-freeing experience all in one that I've ever had. I, I, I started on Amazon. I'd probably say close to a year and a half, maybe two years ago, I had flown out to Tennessee to give a class on eBay, believe it or not. I, I do fly out courses for people who are like, I, I guess you say super serious about the business. And it's not cheap. It's uh, $500 a day plus hotel and airfare. But the thing is, when I leave, these people know how to earn, you know, 50, 60, $70,000 a year gross income. So it's, you know, yeah, you're spending a couple of grand on the front end but you're going to be earning great money for the rest of your life. And if you don't, we give you all your money back. We'll refund you out. I don't care, you know, because if it's not for you, it's not for you. It's not a big deal. But 
I was out there and the girl that I was training, she was an Amazon seller and she said, you know, hey, give me a little bit of a break on the pricing. I'll show you Amazon, you show me eBay and we'll just have a good time of it. I said, you know what? Sure, I'll happily do that trade. And she sat me down and she showed me in a very digestible way how to do Amazon FBA, which is primarily what I focus on right now. And those of you who don't know, FBA stands for Fulfilled by Amazon. So if you've ever heard of those big warehouses being built up, we have one being built in our town. We have yep. another one being built just a few towns over. Uh, these warehouses are massive. It's basically people like me uh, getting a whole bunch of items. It can be anything from uh, rugs to paper towels to video games. We throw them in these boxes and we mail them out to the warehouses. And then from there, anyone who has a Prime subscription and they're ordering items, those items are coming from that warehouse and being shipped direct to the consumer. So any item that you get off of Amazon Prime could be theoretically coming from someone like me or somebody like Chris. You know, it could be coming from anyone who's last handled it and sent it into that warehouse. So I do that because unlike eBay, uh, you know, there are options on Amazon. They have another one called MF, which is Merchant Fulfilled, where you're sending each individual item out on your own. But I like the FBA and I like that Prime because it allows you to charge a substantial premium on every item. So let's just take like this tumbler, for instance. Okay, This tumbler might be 15 bucks on eBay for an insulated stainless steel tumbler. The same tumbler on Amazon is probably going to be about 19 bucks. Okay, Just for standard, somebody's shipping it out to you. But if you're getting it Prime and you're getting your two-day shipping and you're maximizing your account and your, you know, your money you're spending every month, this might be $24.99 to $26.99 for the same exact thing. People want to get value out of their membership. So even though I'm paying substantially more in fees, it could be 30% more in fees and cost and everything, I'm making more money per item than I do on eBay, and I'm not handling the outbound shipping. I'm not handling any return request. I'm not handling any customer service related with that item. Amazon handles all of that for me. Now, obviously, there's going to be some kinks Every now and then when something doesn't go the way you want because you have somebody from third world country handling the customer service, those are some of the small costs of doing business. But overall, it's been an exceptionally positive experience utilizing Amazon. Now, now one of the drawbacks would be like uh, the, the returns on anything, right? And they have a pretty liberal return policy, do they not? Very liberal, yeah. But I think that's one of those things that when you're when you aren't making those accelerated margins, it's really easy to factor that in. I would probably say, if you take everything that I send in and you look at the worst case scenario, and the worst case scenario for any vendor is selling adult toys. I was talking with a guy locally who moves close to half a million dollars worth of adult toys on Amazon each year. And what's really great is he's a drop shipper. He doesn't touch one mm. item. Ever. He's getting them direct from supplier, having them shipped straight to the warehouse, and then from the warehouse directly to the consumer. So he's just paying people to get things moved around and getting paid for it, which I think is fantastic if that's something you want to do. I don't. I like getting hands on with my product. But he tells me his return rates are in excess of 20%. 20% of his items are getting returned to him. I mean, imagine that. Imagine one out of every five items, a customer sends you a message and says, hey, I want to return this. You yeah. would just not want to do it. But the thing is, with this. <laughs> yeah, I know. With his category, his margins, he's operating on like a 96%, 94% profit margin because these products are being produced out of China and they might have a, a per unit buy price of 40 cents and you're getting on the back end 24.99 or 29.99 for something definitely that, worth the uh, risk, yeah. Yeah, well here's the thing. He tells me he's like we don't even read them. We don't read the return request. We automatically, we tell Amazon, approve every single return automatically and give them their money back and tell them to keep it. 
We just do it to every single one. It's not worth it. He said it's not worth our time to even look at one of these requests. I'm like, that's just amazing. Because essentially he's just losing the 40 cents or whatever. Exactly. Maybe a couple of dollars, but overall. Exactly. And for for him, the amount, you know, it's that stepping over dollars to pick up dimes. You know, the amount of time he's going to spend, he would have to hire somebody to sit there and manage those returns. He's going to be $100 worth of labor a day versus losing $7. And let's say if it's been used, I mean, it's not like he could resell that. That's probably something you don't want sent to your house. Yeah. 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 I mean, God, that'd be horrible to get that, have that right. go back to the warehouse, be re-ran into inventory and then shipped yeah. out to you. So, that but there are be. a few things that I tell people you want, you want to be careful about when you're starting. One of them is commingling. This is kind of scary. So um, let's say you have chapstick in there. Okay. And I'm very particular about my chapstick, my product before I send it in. I check my safety seals. I make sure everything's right. I'm checking for authenticity. And now, obviously, chapstick, there's not a big market for counterfeits. But let's just say, let's say we have, it's a video game, even, for instance. Commingling means that my chapstick on the shelf is there. But if you send in chapstick, guess what? Ours sit next to each other, okay? And our items are intrinsically the same. So if somebody orders chapstick, they might grab mine or they might grab yours. It doesn't really matter, but they're buying it under my account name. Maybe they're buying it because of my feedback. Maybe they're buying it because of proximity to them, but they send out the other person's chapstick, not my chapstick. Now the customer gets that one and they say, oh man, the chapstick, I don't think it's real, okay? I have to bite the bullet because possibly someone else sent in a counterfeit chapstick, okay? So turn off commingling is one of the first things I'd say. It might cost you a little extra, but you get designated space on the shelf, and only your inventory is the inventory that's getting fired out to customers. It is on by default, so make sure you turn that off before you send in your first item. That's a big, big one. That's a great tip, actually. Yeah. yeah. Now, what about uh, storage fees? Now, how, how give a breakdown of that. So storage fees are assessed monthly, and then they're also assessed again every six months. Now, your your monthly fees are going to vary based on your sell through rate and the quantity of items that you have there and the overall quality of your items. So basically you're given an index score that fluctuates every single week, I believe. You want your index score to remain above 350. You're in like that super sweet spot, like nothing bad's gonna happen to your account. Everything's peachy keen. Now if your score falls below 350, they're saying, whoa, you're sending us a lot of stuff and we appreciate it, but some of your stuff's kind of junk. We don't think it's going to sell, and guess what? This isn't Daryl's mini storage, so you either get your items selling or we're going to charge you extra to hold on to them. You don't want that, okay? And then every six months, they charge you storage, just like your, they call it long-term storage. And what's really great about it is before that fee is assessed, they give you an opportunity. They say, hey, before we charge you, anything you want to take out of storage, we're going to give you two weeks. We're not going to charge you anything. We'll ship it back to you for free, okay? Here's your chance to reclaim inventory that just isn't going to sell. And then after that period, we're going to charge you based on your square footage that you've been used. I believe it's uh, 20 cents per cubic foot on smalls and quantities over one. So if you have a single one there, I don't think it's a big deal. If you have like 100 of something, they're going to charge you on your cubic footage. Uh, And then if you have oversized items, which is pretty much anything beyond uh, 12 by 8 by 6, would probably be considered oversized. Uh, They they charge a separate pay rate on that. I think it's like 40 cents per, uh, per cubic foot. So at any time you can go in, you can see how much space you're using up, and you can you can see your your sell through rate, your index score is going to be very prominent on your front page. But if your index score is low, you definitely need to sit back and assess what's going on with your store. And the same thing's true with eBay. 
You know, average sellers should be moving through 1% of their inventory every single day. So if you have 100 items on eBay, you should be selling one a day. If you have 1,000 items on eBay, you should be selling 10 a day. Now, obviously, on the short term, based on high attrition or high conversion rates on specific categories, somebody like Chris selling a bunch of iPods recently, yeah, his percentages are going to be through the roof compared to me selling, you know, vintage sewing parts. It's just not going to be the same. But you should be maintaining about a 1% average. Same with eBay, same with Amazon. So if you're missing those marks, reach out to someone. You know, if you need a mentor, this guy here, but reach out to somebody and ask him, like, what's wrong with my store? Why am I not selling more? Hope that answers the question, Chris. Oh, it did. It was yeah. great. Yeah. It was yeah. great. Yeah, and but, I, I don't think I would add a little bit to that. Um, not really uh, too much, but when he, you know the evaluation. I mean, if you got stuff that's not moving, you know, maybe your pictures are bad. Maybe you got it priced wrong. Maybe you're, you know, you need to build up your feedback a little better. So maybe you want to kind of, you know, try to beat the market to try to move some stuff to maybe get consumer confidence up in your store. Yeah, there, there's there's easily a, a hundred variables that matter. And I, I do these store evaluations for people sometimes. And, you know, I'll put together a three or four page report on what I feel their store needs. And the most common ones I see, like you said, is it is it uh, are the pictures good? Is it priced correctly? You know, are you competitive within the market? Uh, do you have the appropriate title for your listing? Is it appropriate description, autofill for the uh, uh, item identifiers? What about your terms? You know, are you one of those people that says I'm going to have five day handling on an item because I'm too lazy to ship it out today? You yeah. know, so you know you got to look at totally all your factors. That. Yeah, get your stuff out fast. Factors. Yeah, and then good feedback. Good feedback is super super important. And those of you who don't e know, I'm, I'm part of the uh, eBay Small Business Ambassador Network. So, you know, when it comes to, to you know, dealing with stuff like this, you know, definitely, if, if not me, lean on somebody that truly knows what they're talking about. Make sure you – and that's, that's one good piece of advice I want to give. I'll give you your piece of advice, Derek, one that you can give out, <laughs> is that don't just take advice because it's given to you. Even have a critical eye about my advice because there is so much – crummy advice on the internet right now i see it every single day i'm a member of maybe 30 or 40 different reselling groups i see the worst advice ever in some of these groups find yourself a reputable group i don't care if it's mine or someone else's but find one that's small a couple thousand members at most and and find the smart people and work with them if there's if there's not smart people in there leave the group because bad advice will do more damage than you can realize yeah and i was gonna say it doesn't really I don't, know, I don't want to take away from what you said about Amazon, but um, I'm in Canada, so it's very different here. And for mm -hmm. me, I looked at Amazon about two years ago and just determined it wasn't even worth me listing one item on there. I think I had um, seven uh, Madden footballs for for 3DS, which was a desirable game, um, just because it was the only Madden game on 3DS, I guess. Anyway, I had them sealed. I'd picked up at Walmart for five bucks each. And uh, I just couldn't. I couldn't do the FBA or even um, fulfilled by me, um, merchant fulfilled. It just wasn't worth it to me. Um, I ended what, up selling why, them on eBay. Why wasn't it worth it? Let me ask you that. Um, there wasn't not, not enough to, not profit. To, like challenge you. Yeah, okay. no, there wasn't enough profit to make it worth it. I I made more selling them on eBay than I would have uh, selling them on on Amazon. Okay, I'm checking the item right now. Don't mind me. So it's, yeah, was it was a it long time ago. NFL, like I said, two 09, years. 08. Do you uh, remember which one? It was NF, uh, Madden football. Oh, for just Madden DS. football? Okay. Uh, was it a Europe? Australia? It was a PAL one, huh? No. It was, a, it was NTSC? Yep. He's in Canada. He's not in... <laughs> 
Well, they get pal out there in Canada, don't they? No, nope. not any more, and not any more or less than we do. <laughs> uh, Madden football. Oh yeah, the yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty darn expensive in new condition right now. How much did you sell them for then? So uh, I sold them. I ended up selling them actually to a guy in the states, who I assume was a reseller. And he ended up paying, after all fees and shipping and everything like that, he bought three of them off me for sixteen, sixteen thirty-five each. The first one I sold directly on eBay within Canada, I sold for twenty bucks. Okay, so I want to clarify one thing: um, when you're when you're selling on Amazon, you get access to a very specific app called the Amazon Seller app. Yep. And what it allows you to do, it allows you to check comps based on how you sell. So the comps that we look for, because I remember I would say it's exact comp, is you're looking for the cheapest prime price or the cheapest FBA price when you're looking for comps online. Like currently, now I, I understand it's a significant amount of time later, yeah, the yeah. cheapest one available on Amazon for the Madden, Football, Nintendo 3DS, NTSC is $121.94 right now. So if you were to list, you'd be competing at that price with a gross profit of ninety nine forty four. So sometimes, you know, it, it's about making sure you find that exact comp. And then even times, there's other times where you'll see duplicate listings. So every item on Amazon's assigned a rank, and the rank determines its uh, overall sell-through rate. So in video games, a game that has a rank of one would be a very, very popular game where we're talking, it could be 100 copies an hour that are selling. And then if we look at something like uh, Red Baron for PC, it's going to have a rank of 2.5 million. That's literally how far down it is on the list. You might sell one copy a year. So this game has a rank of uh, 10,000, which is pretty darn strong in video games. Um, you know, I'd probably say one copy new might sell every 30 days. So it, it's one of those things, like, if you had copies left, I'd say totally send them into FBA. So the but other, if you were doing MF, it might be a little bit different. The other issue is Amazon.ca is different from Amazon.com. The price I see here for selling uh, for brand new is forty nine ninety nine here in Canada, and the rank is 12000 Still a good rank, but the well, selling the price is too, completely is different. You can sell in both uh, regions. You can make your items available for sale in the American regions. My items are available for sale in America, Mexico, and Canada right now. Yeah, but how would the shipping be for him? I mean, so I was going to say, so where's the shipping going to be located? The, well, the Canadian the, rates the are going to look crazy. different, or each individual buyer is going to see a different quote on shipping for that region that they're viewing the site from. Now, him sending the items out, this is another thing that a lot of people don't realize is that, you know, uh, people are going to be immediately thinking like, well, isn't it going to cost a fortune to send all your stuff into the Amazon warehouse every single week when you send stuff in? The, uh, Amazon has worked out some insane deals with UPS. And I mean, truly insane. I sent in a 30 pound uh, box down south, Southern California the other day. It cost me $6.40. Okay. And then the week before that, I sent a 44 pound box to the same area. It cost me eight bucks. And worst case scenario, it's when I have to ship to the East Coast when it goes to the Tennessee uh, warehouse, because there's warehouses all across America. And what determines what warehouse it goes to is the warehouse's need. And then I also pay extra for item redistribution, um, which I can get into if there's interest in me talking about that. It's a little long-winded. But uh, when it goes to Tennessee, if I have a 40-pound box, it's going to cost me maybe like 35 bucks, 30 bucks to ship that box over there. So I'm averaging generally, if we compare all my warehouse locations, about 60 cents an item, uh, sometimes less if I'm shipping in a lot of smalls. I shipped in 150 sealed video games the other day, and I, I paid less than 10 cents an item to get those in there. 
So that's one of the other things. And you would ship to America most likely. And even though you are a Canada-based seller, if there's a lot of need in the States for those items, and you can make them uh, available for the American market. But my my shipping to get them to, to there would probably be crazy. I don't think I'd get such a deal because I have to ship through Canada Post to get it to UPS. Or USPS, You don't sorry. have a UPS access there? We don't have a US, UPS? Sorry, was it UPS or USPS? UPS. United Parcel Service. Okay, Service. yes, we UPS. do have UPS here, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, then you would be eligible for those insane UPS rates. Hmm. See, when I was looking at it, they, there was no mention of any deals for shipping it there, so I was calculating the shipping based on what I could get just with Canada Oh, yeah, Post, it was which horrible then. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, if I had to pay a standard, like a retail UPS rate, it would be, it would be completely impossible to do this business. No one, no yeah. one in their right mind would get started. I would never recommend anyone start if we had to pay retail postage. And it could also be uh, volume was the other problem too, since I was only planning on starting out and trying out with uh, these like five or seven items I had. That was probably also not helping the situation. Yeah, you probably weren't getting the best rate on that. I, I recommend... Yeah for people looking to get into Amazon is that you wait until you have at least 30 items to start and a plan to get another 30 items put together within the next two weeks time. If you can't get items that quickly, then maybe wait till you have a hundred items to start. And that way you can start as a pro seller. A pro seller is like $40 a month. If you're a standard seller, you pay a dollar per item to get them sent in. So. Do you, do you see it being reasonable for anyone that already has a full-time job to do Amazon at all? Yeah, completely. Yeah, I and here's the I was talking with that customer, the one who wants to sell me all of his games, and definitely don't let me forget to segue back into that. But um, hold on one second. Uh oh, I got some competition in the cubic field. Um, uh, what was the question again? I'm sorry. <laughs> For anyone who has a full time job already, oh, okay, uh, do yeah, you yeah. think so they're going to have enough time to gather enough stuff? To get that. So I, I had a, a client in the shop earlier, and he we, we were talking about him possibly becoming a professional reseller, and he was trying to give me that that I don't want to call it an excuse, but his his reasoning was just time. And I told him, I'm like, dude, I'm like, I spend like ten hours a week on this. I really do. And it, it's of course it's a matter of efficiency and a matter of building stock, but mm. I mean even before I was doing maybe twenty hours a week, it's not that time intensive. And and half of my time goes out to thrifting. So on a ten hour work week, I might spend Actually, not even that much time. I spend maybe three hours thrifting a week right now. That's it. And it's just that I'm exceptionally diverse. Uh, I, I can work in almost any category. And I think a lot of the beginning time for people is learning how to research, learning how to determine what's worth your time and what's not. But of those 10 hours, three hours go to thrifting, three hours go to listing. So that's listing across both eBay and Amazon. And then three hours plus goes to pack and ship time. You know, six days a week I'm packing up eBay items and sending them out. So I'm spending very, very little time on it. And I can tell you my gross sales over the last two months is in excess of 12 grand um, between eBay and Amazon. So, I mean, the amount of money you can make just barely putzing along is insane. And, and the first people, thing people say is like, well, why aren't you doing it more then? I've got five or six other businesses that I own. So, you know, for me, it's one of those, there's going to come a time where I'm going to sever that relationship with eBay and Amazon. Uh, but it's only going to be when all other avenues are, are more profitable than that one. And it literally becomes the last rung on the ladder. And it's, it's about halfway there right now. But once it gets there, yeah, I'll be cutting it clean off. But for anyone else who isn't making, like if, if you have whatever job you're doing right now, I don't care what it is. I mean, you could be flipping burgers 
or you could be, you know, collecting money at a toll bridge. If you're not earning $4,000 a month right now in life, just in life, it's your own fault. And I don't mean that in like a derogatory, like you're too lazy to do it, but anyone can do it. Anyone can go out and start as a reseller on eBay or Amazon. And there's so much help out there. There's never been more access to the amount of information available today than at any other point in history. You just got to get online and get it. So if you're not making four grand a month, it's by it's it's of your own fault. Uh, it truly is. I think I think most people they're they're kind of afraid to start because they're kind of afraid to commit the time to their own success. They'll they'll come up with these grandiose excuses as to why they can't do it. But I always say, you give me an excuse why you can't do something, and I'll give you a better excuse as to why you can. All I want to come up with now is excuse, excuses, but <laughs> yeah, I also I, I, don't I, want to, I get right? really heated about that. Yeah. I, there's just so much, disparity, <clears throat> so much disparity in this country, and so much of it is is uh, uh, of the own person's fault. And they spend so much time blaming, like, uh, you know, oh, I couldn't afford college, or my job won't give me a raise. And I just tell them, it's like, you, you have so much more control over this. And here's the thing. I'm hypercritical of eBay. I'm hypercritical of Amazon. I can say so much bad stuff about them and, and their policies and their fees and, you know, how they're really sticking it to the seller. But truth is, I mean, they've afforded me a quality of life that I would have never expected when I was growing up. I'm 31 now. And I'll tell you, when I was 21, 22, 23, 24, I would have never thought ever I would have this, this great of a life. I mean, I tell Chris all the time, I'm like me and him, we could go anywhere in America, anywhere we want. And we could survive as purely thrifters and resellers. You know, that's how good the opportunity is. But I watch countless people pass up on the opportunity every single day. Just like the guy that was here a, a few moments ago. I told him, I'm like, dude, you have the games to start your account. You can be very successful doing this. I'm like, you enjoy thrifting already? Just go for it. You know, I'm like, I'll even get you some seed money. I told him, and I'm very generous with people. I tell them all the time, I'm like, I'll buy you a printer. I'll buy you your first set of labels. I'll get you, you know, a, a piece of fabric to take pictures on, and I'll lend you a light. I'll get you started, and I won't charge you a penny. And I even offered to train him for free in one of my classes for a single-day class is $400. And what did he do? He turned a blind eye to it. He said it would, he would rather take the easier option. So I, I get really heated about it because, <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't? You know, me and Chris, we think this way. It was like, who wouldn't take this free help? I want to dive into it more, but I don't want to take up more time. Um, <clears throat> just, uh, I've attempted diversifying, but obviously I'm not putting enough effort in things. I think the things, the other things that I am selling that are more diverse, I'm pricing too high, but that's a whole nother topic. I, I can tell you how that. to price in 30 <laughs> seconds, 30 second pricing guide. Find an exact comp of your item that's yeah. available currently for sale. Combine the item cost and the shipping cost together. Take that gross amount, take one penny off, and list your item for that same price, a penny off, with free shipping. And the reason we do this is so that you appear first within price plus shipping lowest first, you appear first within best match, okay? And having those two metrics on your side will increase your sell-through rate. That's how you price. So I did everything except for the free shipping part. Yep, because here's the thing. You know how many elderly people get online? You know how many adults get online? You know how many kids get online? And the first thing they do is they scroll down the side and they click on free shipping. Every single one of your listings disappears the moment they do that. Yeah, yeah I can see that. Yeah. And then here, I'll go a counter on that. Uh, when you, <laughs> and there's when only you go, counters. It's important. When you, when you buy a car, what do they put on the sticker price? Full retail, no returns. <laughs> well, oh, well, what don't they put? 
they don't put the taxes. They don't put the extra little fees. So when people see that sticker price. I hear what you're saying about the filtering out, but I'm averaging an item and a half a day. I'm not saying it can't go up, but I don't put very much of my stuff at free shipping. I just match it at whatever the market is. I don't like getting caught in the... You remember that one item I sent to Florida that went to some random random town that must not have had any service and the, the shipping rate was going to be super high and then mm -hmm. I had to ship it off in a bubble mailer or whatever. <laughs> like You can get caught with the calculated shipping into a wrong area. I'm not saying... I, for me, I usually stick to free when it comes to media items because usually you know, that's what the market... That's what you're competing with, but when something's rare or when something's desired, people are going to look. It just depends on how many items. Like, But you, I agree that if you're competing against a ton of items, you want to do something to stand out. And if you yeah, could and, and here's the thing. Them, there, there's the constantly the going to be additional things that's going to drive the market in a direction where you have to compete. Like the, the newest hot button topic is free returns right now. Yeah. And I was literally on the phone with somebody from D.C., um, eBay today talking to them about that and they were talking about how it can increase your sales metrics without actually increasing your return rate and I told them I'm like this program hasn't been around long enough to really show that as being factual yeah. but I'll give you the benefit of the doubt but I told him I'm like why should anyone have to do this though because we were all on the same level playing field before this was introduced now you're making us have to compete think about well, they're eBay trying to compete with Amazon well, think about eBay promoted listings, which is where you can pay extra money to yep. have your listing appear more often. Okay, And I'm like, we were all on a level playing field before this. Think about 30-day returns. We were mm -hmm. all on a level playing field before this. So the, the reality is there's always going to be new things added on that you know, you're going to have the option to use to be able to compete. But I feel just simply because of the searching aspect alone, it's pretty much worth it. Now, are there going to be some fringe examples where you're going to have yeah. items that you really want to charge shipping on? Yeah. Like if right. I have something that I know is going to cost me $60, $70, $80 in shipping, but it's an item that's already two, $300, most likely the person who's willing to spend $300 is willing to pay for shipping. It kind of makes sense. But if you have something that's going to cost $2.50 to ship out, $3 to ship out, sure. don't add shipping on. You know what I mean? It's like you're only going to make your well, listing worse. And I'll agree because I, I, sometimes I'll see someone trying to sell a $1,000 video game and then they're charging $4 shipping and I'm like, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> it's so <laughs> stupid. It makes it makes so so like, wonky. It's like, it's like how desperately do you need exactly $929 after fees right. but you have to include that, that shipping stupid, cost in there. Right, yeah. like that's the deal breaker. But so the thing they, is, if you sent them a message and negotiated and be like, hey, could, would you take eight bucks off? They'd be like, yeah. Right. <laughs> Right, you know, that that's a great tip too though. It's a as a buyer, I mean, if there's something you want, unless it's something you feel like is going to like like it's a, the price is so great and it's a new listing and you're afraid it's going to sell, message the buyer. Ask the ask them for less. They don't they don't always have just because it doesn't say make an offer don't mean they won't take an offer. I send in offers all service. the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I don't want to keep going back to the same thing. Okay, uh, let's move on. <laughs> so uh, for me, uh, story. Uh, so I sold at Bear Game Exchange this past Sunday. Uh, I took a uh, $4,300 worth of stuff with me, uh, sticker prices. Uh, obviously, I was willing to negotiate on a lot of it. I sold uh, $820 worth of stuff. Um, that's everything. Um, plus, my wife, my wife sold um, cookies there that she had made, and... 
Um, yeah. We did a giveaway, et cetera, et cetera. It was How a pretty good weekend. How many cookies did you sell? Sorry? How many dollars worth of cookies did you sell? I, I'm worried it's going to be so, a number that's just going to like smash your game. <laughs> no. Like she only made dollars of uh, So she made Pac-Man cookies. It was a Pac-Man and two ghosts in a bag together. Um, oh, that's cute. And the cookies were – so that bag was $2. Um, there were several people who walked up and thought each cookie was $2. Yeah, so a lot of people seemed to hesitate, and then they would say, sure, I'll take a cookie. They look good. And then we hand them a bag of three. They're like, oh, there's three of them for that price. So we probably could have priced higher. But either way, uh, we only brought 14 bags of the cookies. Uh, my wife just didn't want to put a whole lot of time into it in case they didn't sell. We sold at this event uh, in August, and she also made cookies then, and she made Tetris cookies. There were more in a bag, and she charged $3 a bag, um, and they didn't all sell out. This time, we sold out all of the, all the cookies. So, But one girl also came and bought uh, eight bags. So, <laughs> And then she started using those bags to negotiate with other sellers to, yeah, for that, trades. pretty Man, damn smart. She, resold, she, yeah. she scalped you. <clears throat> with, uh, with Joel, actually. With Jam oh, Kennels. Oh, Joel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she traded him a Mario blanket of his for wow. a bag of our cookies. <laughs> oh. I, you know, if you catch these people at the right time, I mean, there's times that I've been in the shop where I'm like, man, I would trade like a $20 game for a nice burger right now. <laughs> you know, so, so It just has yep. to be that right place, right time. Yeah. So what did you buy? Did you buy anything while you were there? I did. Uh, so uh, off Kevin buried on Mars, I bought two Xbox systems that I'm going to mod. Um, I also had a girl come up and offer me a trade um, of some Xbox One games, but the only one I took was actually Prey for Xbox One because that was getting pretty hard to find at one time. Okay. Still only worth 15 US. Um, I gave her 15 credit of trade, um, but uh, Canadian. But uh, my brother-in-law wanted that game, so that worked out well. Um, and then I also bought a Wavebird controller for 15 uh, just the controller, no receiver, because I already have a spare receiver. Um, I cannot remember anything else. I don't think I bought anything else. I didn't buy a whole lot. Yeah, I think that's all. Yep. I hit a pawn shop up uh, while we were in Barry, and I picked up two games that were each valued at twenty to twenty-five dollars for five dollars each. I brought Good them to. Yeah, yeah, I brought them to the show, and they didn't sell. But that's all right. I'm probably gonna. Keep the one for a while and see if my son wants to play it. It's Hot Wheels World's Best Driver for PS3. Um, and the other one is Puyo Pop Fever, made by Atlas for DS, but it's loose. And that one I'm That's a pretty good price for a loose DS game. Yeah, it is. I think it's because Atlas. It's only anything. Yeah. I'll, I'll see if the game's any good because it's weird. Yeah. Game. All right. <clears throat> well, moving on, we got discussion, topic, collection update. Um, kind of a generic. Uh, section here, but um, this is basically, do you track your purchases? This is for, for new people uh, that haven't been on the show before. Do you track your own collection, your purchases in a spreadsheet? Um, uh, do you have any fun statistics or anything like that you want to share? Um, and Chris and I both talked about this quite a bit, but I have an update. Uh, Jay, do you have anything you want to share? Do you track yeah, your I'll own? Let you, I'll let you go first. Go on and talk about that update real quick. Sure. So, for my collection, uh, uh, as people already know, I use my collection buying and selling to pay for my own games. So my entire collection, which is valued, I mean, this isn't all complete, but somewhere around uh, $12,000, I have, am now $18.82 in the hole for all of it. 
Um, that's really thanks good. to the Very Game Exchange. Um, that's separate from my daily job. None of that money comes from my own money. It's all buying and selling. Uh, it's all paid for the entire collection. So, yeah, that's my update. You know, and I'll totally uh, agree to that testament. I see that a lot, but, you know, the reality is even with my game store, yeah, there was a bit of seed money to start, which I think sometimes you got to throw in a little bit of seed money, you know, just to kind of get the uh, kind of get the fire going. But my shop started, uh, it's kind of bootstrapped with just a couple hundred bucks, maybe like two, three hundred bucks. And I mean, I just just from what I've seen personally, what I've been able to grow to, I mean, we're, we're sitting on like like thirty, forty thousand in stock right now, and that doesn't even account for what we have on eBay and Amazon. That's just local stock. I'll, I'll tell anyone like, if you want to go for it, still go for it. There's still plenty of stuff out there. Still plenty of time to to build up full collections of whatever you want. I had a guy come in my shop the other day. He told me the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Okay, and for you guys, it might sound sane, but for me, oh, it was insane. He said, "I'm trying to go for a full PlayStation Two collection," oh, that's and insane. I literally like. Yeah, my jaw just dropped, and I looked at him. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you realize like just how big that is, right? Seventeen hundred sixty. Even if we just look at domestic, I think it's like uh, and growing. PSG, it's like fourteen hundred. Yeah, and growing. It's like fourteen hundred games. I told him, I'm like, look at my shop. I'm like, you see all these shelves in here? I'm like, and because we have those standard bookcases you can get at Target. It's like five tier shelves, and we have little backers to keep everything from sliding back. But I think I have thirteen of them in my shop, and I told him, I'm like. This isn't even enough. Did you say PS2 or PS3? PS2. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm like, this isn't even enough shelving to house a PS2 collection in this entire room. This entire room isn't enough. A buddy of mine in a town over is going for it. And I think he's at twelve hundred games. Godspeed. I'm pretty sure when he had told me last it was seventeen hundred was what it was supposed to be. I I tell him to send me his list, okay? And I want to see his list of what he needs left. And I actually, I want to donate. I'll donate some games to him if we have them on our shelves. No cost, okay? We'll send them out because anyone who's that brave deserves a, a hand, honestly. Because that is, that is insanely ambitious to go for something like that. Yeah, I had his list somewhere bookmarked. Yeah, no, de- definitely uh, definitely send me over his list. We'll help him out. That, <laughs> that is nuts. That is nuts. Let's try to remember that. Uh, I'm yeah. going to write his name down just so I remember to do that. Well, he sh- he sh- I'll tell you what, make him watch the show. If he doesn't make it through to this point, then he doesn't get the help. <laughs> <laughs> you can, that's how you can tell. That's how you yeah. can tell if you watch the show. Just send him the link. Be like, hey, man, you should definitely check out this episode. And if he says nothing about it, then you know he didn't watch it Talk all the way Talk about through. you, Greg. Let's see if he listens. <laughs> <laughs> all right. right. He'll remember. He'll Reach know out to us. He's the only person I know of going for PS2 collection. All right, uh, Chris, did you have anything you wanted to share about collection or like that? Oh, what, adding? Um, added a few Atari games. Going. Yeah, 64. Uh, I am, well, I'll tell you something that's cool. Uh, so I, I added a couple of games uh, the other day, well, today or whatever, when they finally came in. And uh, put a little listing up about, you know, yeah. Uh, well, actually, they were from Duke. Duke had sent me some yep. games. That's what it was. He had sent me a nice little package of some Atari games, uh, some chips, and uh, and a couple of uh, 64 games. And it got me down to uh, needing 50 titles left. I'm at 246 right now. And uh, and I also post. I usually dual post, and I'll post it on Twitter, and I'll post it on Instagram. And then the guy, you know, some one of my followers, some guy I follow too, um, he hit me up, and he's like, "Dude, I'd love to, I'd love to help you, man. Like, what do you, what do you need? Let me give me your list." So I did, and 
you know, thinking that, you know, because there's a lot of commons that are still left on the list. And uh, he gets back to me and he goes, yeah, here, I'm going to send you these. What's your address? And uh, not that they're the rarest, but, uh, I mean, they're not cheap either. It was a, uh, Dr. Mario 64 and Mortal Kombat 4. You know, about $45 worth of games, you know. It was just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> People are nice, man, you know. But, yeah, on the house. He's like, you know, I was like, well, what do you need? No, no, I'm just going to send them to you. It's like, man, I really appreciate it. And uh, I haven't ate the... I haven't ate the as of, as of this recording, Duke. I haven't eaten the cheese curds yet, but I'm getting ready. And I like the fact that they're gluten free. That means my daughter can eat them too. She's she's going. Are they like real right cheese curds that you can turn into poutine or what? I, I have no idea. It says oven baked with real cheese. Oh no! So I, yeah, yeah, I guess it is real cheese. I don't yeah, know. If it you does can those then. Yeah. yeah. If they're if they're baked, then it's not like a, your traditional. Not a cheese curd. Cheese curd. It's no. like a yeah. fried. Yeah something with cheese it, it looks similar to like a like a cheesy poof or something uh, yeah. okay some sort of cheeto I mean, you thing could, you but, could hey. poutine them but they'd be a little weird yeah it, little. it actually yeah. has something on there that mentions uh no it says seafood poultry and never mind it doesn't say poutine <laughs> <laughs> it All says right. it's telling you what to eat it with it's like uh... Dude, i don't eat chips with like i'm good like <laughs> i don't need a tutorial on how to eat chips all right, so our, our next section is listener questions. Um, you can tweet hashtag DDAnswers if you have any questions, and we'll read them on the next episode. Um, we have two here from uh, – first one's from STC Pod, Start Taking the New Podcast. This is Bill. Uh, how do you liquidate the remaining inventory that you have left after your normal selling tactics are exhausted? Uh, hashtag overstock. So this is probably Bill talking mainly about having sold at the Berry Game Exchange and all right. the stuff he has left over and looking for yeah. ideas. Yeah, I saw some of his stuff. I, I probably one of my first ones would be, um, I mean, like a yard sale, traditional yard sale. Just try to blow it out. Hopefully, you can at least, you know, if it's something that you really feel like a loser on, like not a loser, but the product a loser. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, if you could break even on it, sometimes breaking even is better than nothing. Try to yard sale it. If you're a kind of guy who itemizes your taxes and, you know, you might be able to donate it to a store and get a high uh, donation credit on it. So there's that, too. You can donate a bunch of that crap back to the pawn store you bought it from. (laughs) (laughs) Or the thrift store. What do you got, Jay? I would say if all the items are within the same category, look for somebody who works within that category. So if it's all video games, try and reach out to another video game reseller who might be willing to take the work off of your hands just to get it shifted uh you know maybe even a a video game retail establishment if it's all variety stuff and you really don't want to put the work into it yourself go out to the swap meet and reach out to the guy that you've seen out there every single saturday for the last year hand him your number and say hey i got a pile full of stuff i know you probably can't give me a whole lot for it but i'd rather go to somebody i've done business with and maybe we can work out a fair deal or maybe even a trade he might trade you I think some of these things when I saw them at Bill's table was actually stuff he hadn't even uh, posted on eBay yet. Um, but I think some of it might be bulk, uh, bulky stuff like uh, board games and stuff, which, right. as you may know, shipping in Canada is ridiculous. It's pretty bad. So it's right. not going to be likely that they're going to get anything out of – they're not going to sell. Um, but he did have like a Namco um, plug-and-play uh pac-man mrs pac-man console i'm sure that could sell on ebay i've heard that shipping things might be improving here uh, shortly i was watching this uh thing that was happening at this 
big convention that happened out of state. There's like some postal convention. I heard that every year when they have this convention, there's like new policies and changes and stuff like that that's going to be happening. Basically, because you know the the shipping cost or sh- shipping quantities have slowly started trickling down for general mail. There might be some action happening within the next six months as far as shipping costs are concerned. And Bill, if uh, if you're listening and you still have that happy days, let me know. <laughs> I don't care if it's missing pieces I'll take it he'll, he'll listen alright uh, next question is from Retro Nonsense Duke uh, at Duke0619 what's the oldest item you've ever flipped now I don't know if he means something you've had in your inventory the longest or something that's actually the uh, oldest see I, I I took it that when I read the question I read like age like what is the oldest item okay. like uh one thing that comes to mind for me is I had an original Mickey Mouse book from, and it might not be the oldest thing I've sold, but it's definitely something that comes to mind. And I believe it was from 1921 or 1922, but uh, it was in really good condition. I had picked it up at a at a um, at an estate sale for for a few dollars, and I, I ended up selling it for about 120 bucks. Hmm. And uh, it was a pretty cool little book. I was afraid to even look at it because it was so old. I was afraid to uh, just you breathe on it. it. Just like I just, I just <laughs> knew that the pages were there. I looked through it once, and I was like, "That's good enough." I listed <laughs> it and left it alone. Take I'm sure you've had something older than one, Sanjay. Uh, I've, I've had a couple that really stand out. I have one that's this piece of glass. It was, it's so dumb too. Like some of the the stupid things that people buy, but it was like the bottom half of a of a glass. Uh, like face powder, I don't know what you call it. Like you, with the, the women call them compacts now, but you had like your yeah. old uh, face powder, and it was from like I think it was like eighteen seventy four, some somewhere in there. And it, but it was only worth like fourteen bucks. I guess they were like insanely common still, or just really lacked desirability. <laughs> and then then the only other one that I had that was really noteworthy was a uh, was a Henry Dubois brass statue, stood about three and a half feet tall. Really nice piece. It was from like 1911 or 1921. Really early piece, and that fetched uh, 1300 local for that. Right, that was that one you got local, correct? Yeah, I had somebody walked it into my shop, and that's one of those things. Like you say, all the crazy things that come into your shop. Yeah, a brass or bronze statue walked into my shop one day because I always. It, this is what I always tell people too. And Chris, this is a great little tidbit, great little addition to what you were saying earlier when you said, you know. It's very rare when somebody has only one thing, you know, especially within a category. But I always, I blanket it when I'm talking with somebody who's already selling stuff. I say, you know, we, we buy all kinds of stuff. If you have like, you know, iPods, old electronics, uh, you know, you know, video games. I mean, like you, you can list out your best performers. You know, we, we like vintage board games. We like old comic book collections. I buy old coins. Or, and then I, I give them this great one. I say, if you have something that you know is valuable, but you can't get the money you want for it locally, like you, it needs to be sold online, that's the type of stuff we buy. And then that's how that happens. She's like, well, I got this statue. And this is why I tell people, I'm like, there's some things that are only going to work 1% of the time. But if you have about 100 or 200 things that only work 1% of the time and you use them all every single day, yeah, stuff's going to start sticking real quick. Yeah. All right, uh, so our next section is suggested content. This is where we... Well, what was your oldest item? Oh, mine. Oh, sorry, I forgot. I, I, I literally have nothing. Nothing. I, I've sold stuff that's mostly games. I mean, 
the oldest we gotta, game. We I've... gotta break you of that. You have to go check out my store and look at the diversity. I'm telling you. It's... I know that's the problem, but I gotta find the stuff. I, every time I try and it's out there. Branch out in diversity. You. I always fail, or, Dude, or I just sit any... on it and never post it. Is the other problem? They don't have the same stuff in Canada, Jay. Yeah, they got the mooses crap. and waffles and stuff. <laughs> Hey, I got the pictures in just now, guys, of those uh, Super Nintendo games. If you're if you're up for a list right now, go ahead. Okay, we got a uh, Power Rangers Fighting Edition. This is all Super Nintendo. Uh, Final Fight, Super Ghouls and Ghosts, uh, Bugs Bunny Bust Loose, Jurassic Jurassic Park, uh, Wanderers from Eve's Three, Star Fox, Mortal Kombat One, Earth Defense Force, Contra Three. I could really use a Contra Three right now. Uh, Tasmania, uh, Street Fighter Two. It looks like Turbo Edition, but I can't remember if it says Turbo Edition across the top label or not. Or if it just says... If I think it does, but it does doesn't it? matter. Go oh. ahead. Uh, Mickey Mania, uh, Maui Mallard, and the Cold Sh- In Cold Shadow, Disney is Aladdin, Jungle Book, Ren and Stimpy, Kirby's Dream Course. Fantastic game That's if you haven't played it yet. Yeah. Uh, Super Return of the Jedi, Super Empire Strikes Back, WrestleMania, Mickey's Quest, and then a Super Game Boy, and a Mario Paint with the mouse. Yeah. No Not mouse. A bad little lot. It's it's okay. Now now the fun question. This is what I always tell people when you're negotiating: never give out the first number ever, ever. I, da- I dare you to try and negotiate with me and try and sell me something where you won't give out the first number. But I will always get a number from my seller first before I say anything. <laughs> so, how? So my first one is like: how much are you hoping to get? I'm texting that out right now for yeah. anyone who's just listening to this in audio format. I so like I always get that speculative, get like that too. wide open, like, you know, what's your best case scenario? How much are you really hoping for? Just something to that effect. Yeah, I always try and get them to throw a number first, too. It doesn't always work. There's some people who are firm in not doing the number first. <laughs> what, what you that's when I come have, really low. You, yeah, yeah, you have to have a thousand and one things to say. Uh, you know, to, to counter that. Like like right now, Derek, how much are you trying to get for that microphone you have in front of you? <laughs> At least double what it's worth. <laughs> round about round about how much do you feel it's worth right now? I can tell you what it's what it's actually <laughs> worth. <laughs> but it's it's not what I want it, want for it, because you gotta talk me into buying into selling it. Okay. <laughs> Wait, well, you, 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 so uh, what do we? What do you think it's worth? What it's worth about a hundred bucks? You're trying to get two for it, probably. So you, that's how much you want? Well, at least two. Okay, thanks for the number. So, yeah. so I tell people like, you just got, we got to get the ball rolling somehow. And if you get the person to affirm some number at some point as a jumping point, it just makes things easier because I tell people the the seller can always or the the buyer can always go. Uh, uh, how's the damn saying go? I can I can only go up on my number, and the seller can realistically only go down. So it's better if I get their number first and work that direction, opposed to me giving my number first and having to work the other direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've had garage sale conversations where they won't throw out a number that was more awkward than what me and you just had, because yeah. <laughs> they would not throw out a number at all, not even just ballpark. Now, but see, when I'm in that situation. I'll think of what the insulting number is, right? And yep. some people I'll give them, give them the insulting number, but but I always do it with a smile. I always do it friendly. You know what I mean? I, I always keep it very lighthearted. You know, I'll be like, I don't know, you know. But if I if it's something I really want and I don't want to fuck up the deal, 
I'll, I'll find out whatever that insulting number is, and maybe I'll add, you know, 20% to it, 30% to it, something like that. Or let's say it was a $20 offer in my mind. Maybe I'll come up to 25 just because it doesn't sound so bad. Yeah. 25 obviously it's more money but 25 sounds a lot better than 20 you know what i mean mm-hmm. it just does even Especially though it's not really that big of a difference or something right well right but i mean you know what i'm saying so now yeah. i i've set a low number that isn't insultingly low even though it really is no different 25 and 20 on a big item is still a cheap well, a hundred dollar item is the difference between getting a quarter or getting a fifth and people right. can more relate to a quarter on value versus a fifth right. on value. Fifth is so like, what the? If, you if you're stuck and you really have to give a number, try to find a number that, and then uh, try to think what their counter is going to be. Because then you got to think, okay, if their counter is 75 and I come out in 25, now 50 is a logical meeting point in the middle. Doesn't necessarily mean you need to go to 50, but if 50 is okay with you, then that's a logical way to get there. Yep, and you're gonna you're gonna take smaller steps than they're gonna take. You're gonna go right. to thirty. They're gonna go to sixty. You're gonna go to thirty-five. They're gonna go to fifty-five. Your steps are always gonna be smaller than their steps. But as you were saying, staying positive is one of the biggest things. Like yep. I, I make it a game. I do. If they're like, I I, I just I don't know. I, we're just taking offers on it. I'm like, oh, okay. So you, you don't have any number in mind that you're looking to get. No, no, no. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, so it's it's not really for sale then, is it? They're like, oh no, it's for sale. I'm like, well, if it doesn't have a price, it must be free then, right? Zero zero dollar price tag. Yeah, price <laughs> yeah, priceless. That's a good one. That's a gr- I would use something like that. It's priceless then, is what you're saying. So I can just go ahead and have it. They're like, no, I'm not saying that. And I'm like, well, I can't buy it and sell it. Okay? Yeah, and that's the I, one I, I've used a bunch of times. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, I can't buy it and sell it. I can't do both. Okay, I'm like, yep. I'm like, work with me here. Because so here's the thing, I'm here right now, and I would love to give you my hard-earned money in exchange for your item. And I know you're out here today, not because you enjoy the sunlight. You happen to bring some of your wares out here. I'm here at your mercantile right now. Sell me some of your goods. Let's make a deal happen today. I'm like, just, just give me whatever crazy number you're thinking about. We'll just, we'll go for it. And, and, so, and showing them money isn't a bad tactic either. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to give it all of them, but <laughs> actually showing them money to let them know, like, this isn't bullshit, you know? <laughs> like, I have I money. Have money in hand, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm looking to buy. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a motivated a buyer. Would you, do you, do you, have, you know, just really flash it out there like that? I, I've, I've, I've had to show money before, but I've done it in a subtle way. I didn't, like, you know, shove it in their face. Look at here, asshole. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I just pull money. No, look, I'm ready to go. Let's, you know, let's make a deal. You know, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a serious buyer. But sometimes showing the money isn't necessary. Like, let's say it's a couple, okay? And I'm not really showing the money to the guy. I'm showing it to the girl because then now she, now he's got pressure from her. You yep. know what I mean? That's such. A, that's one of those one percent things. But it ha- it worked. I, I've it I've done it where I. It stopped negotiating with the man, and now I'm negotiating with his wife, and ne- neither one of them really know it. He you, thinks you I'm still negotiating works. with him, but I'm negotiating the, with her. The money's in your hand, but she's already spent it. She's already right. gone online in her head, <laughs> figured out what store <laughs> she's going to, right. placed the <clears throat> items are in the cart, okay? And she's waiting to press checkout, okay? And you are the key to her being able to press checkout on that order right now. That's what's happening. And it's brilliant that you work at that direction. And, and here's the other thing. I want to circle back to one of the very first things you said on this show, the, the, the very opening. You said uh, uh, taking away the stigma of being a reseller. Mm-hmm. I think you said something to that effect. And, yep. you know, being at yard sales is one of the 
like the pinnacles of being a professional reseller. It's, it's basically when I step, and I think Chris might even feel this way too, and hopefully you do too, too Derek. When you step onto someone's yard, this is it. This is showtime. This is your chance to shine and showcase everything that you know as a reseller. You have a live audience in front of you, and you have a wide selection of items. And it's your job to take all of your skills, knowledge, information on inventory and social skills and interpersonal dynamics and put them on display at every single house you go to. And if you do everything correctly, you're going to succeed. And it's about and, – and, and one of the biggest qualms I hear – I hear a lot on my show is like how do you deal with like people not liking you as a reseller or how do you go about like you know working with people? And I tell them I put it. Front and forward, okay? If I see a big old bin of books, I'm out there. I got my scanner out, okay? And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm scanning them so I can figure out which ones I can buy off you and get you paid. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to scan them. I'm like, I'm like, how much are you asking on the box? And you know what they'll tell me? They're like, oh, the whole box is $5. I'm like, I might even be able to give you more than that. Let me keep scanning through these and see what I can do, okay? And all I'm doing is I'm going to pick out the good stuff. And if there's something insane there, yeah, guess what? I'm going to pay them more. But I want to get people excited about a reseller being there. I want them like pumped up, like they have stuff here no one else is going to buy. But if this guy can find value in it and he's excited about it, guess what? They're excited about getting it sold and they're going to give you a great deal. So I'd say when you go to that yard, go in there positive, enthusiastic. First thing you do, hey, how's everyone doing today? You guys having fun? Having a blessed Sunday? Awesome. And, and start building that rapport immediately and, and dissolve that stigma that negative stigma of being a reseller. Just go into it and, and know that you're it's a it's a gift and a treat to them that you've chosen to arrive at their yard sale today. I was trying to think of where I had just heard that basically that same thing. And then I remembered I was watching one of the YouTube videos you were in uh for power oh, selling hey. power reselling. <laughs> I'm like, that's where it was. I'm like, it was this week. What was I watching on YouTube this week where someone said almost the same thing about um being about a garage sale. He said he wants to come on. He said he would love to be a guest on your show. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. We'll um, get Corey lined up for that. But I appreciate you taking the time to watch some of the content that we have out there. Yeah, I've, I've watched yeah. a couple, and I've been following the the um, the Pickers Lounge, trying to get some tips on things to keep an eye out for. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think we have some Canadian members. Well, you know, if you remind me, if you send me a friend request and remind me at some point this week, we can uh, try and spotlight or get some Canadian members to step to the forefront, and maybe we can get some more in-depth experiences from Canadian members that might be able to benefit you a little bit more. Yeah, that would be interesting. You know, some tips and t- tips and tricks and stuff like Especially that. Especially anything shipping-related. Jesus. <laughs> okay, uh, let's keep moving on here. So this this next section is uh, suggested content. Uh, anything you want to suggest our listeners check out? A YouTube video, YouTube channel, podcast, movie, game, TV show, anything you just want to share with people. Uh, first is me. Um, I had a hard time trying to figure out something that was, you know, kind of reselling related, which is usually what I do. Um, though not always, sometimes it's just something fun. So this week it's literally go on YouTube and search for Mr. Bean, Mr. Boombastic and watch him dance. That's it. Go watch that. All right, Chris, you got anything? Uh, I was trying to pull it up. I thought you were going to talk a little longer. You know what? Oh, I'm, I'm, I, can, I can see you. Chris, hold on. I got it. Uh, yeah. It's not a. Um, it's not necessarily a channel or anything, but uh, I watched that Cobra Kai series lately, and I, I really liked it. It's a. Uh, it's kind of the continuation of the Karate Kid movies, yeah. at least part one and part two. I guess it really does cover the first three. I mean, it's mainly a focus on the first one, but uh, as the guys later on. 
It's a YouTube Red show. I didn't have YouTube Red ahead of time, but you get a free 30-month trial, so I just watched it, and I'll just cancel it here whenever I'm ready. But uh, it's $12.99 a month, I guess. I I'll tell you, some of the positives I liked about YouTube Red is um, you can actually close your phone, and it'll still play if you want it to. Like, you know, the app doesn't close out. You can go to another screen. Now, to some people watching videos, that might not make a thing might make a difference. But if you're listening to music through YouTube, it's kind of cool. It then you can me like that they charge for that feature because that's because just... it used to be free, right? It used to be standard. I, I'm I'm just, just giving up. Listen, yeah. this ain't a YouTube Red commercial. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that's one of the. I don't know I'm, much. I'm about just saying you can use the affiliate link in the description if you want, but you don't have to. You know, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> anyways, the series is pretty fun. If you're a fan of the Karate Kid, you might like it. So check it out. I've heard good things yeah. about it. Yeah. All right, Jay. You got it. Uh, uh, there's. Uh, I think we're just throwing out funny, funny videos. There's. Uh, there's two that really got me. There's one. Uh, it's an older video. God, it's so hard not to even talk about. But there's. There's an older video of this white stale like 50 year old ceo for domino's pizza talking about the brand new uh hatsune miku uh app experience that they have with domino's so if you type in hatsune miku domino's and watch the video it is easily the cringiest thing i have seen in years of being on the internet and then i have one other which is the uh college humor video and i usually don't suggest anyone watch anything from college humor but they have one with the uh, ceo of uh tide it's like it's a fake ceo but he's talking about the uh, the tide pods fiasco and it has to be one of the funniest videos i've seen in three or four years on the internet i've watched it every single day it is it gets me to tears every time i watch it i'm dying when i watch it it's great okay i'm writing those down and i'll check them out you will you will DM me after that video and be like, "Damn it, yeah, you were right. Those are that is some quality content right there." <laughs> All right. Are you taking a selfie? He yeah what? he does this he did this last are week you too. Are taking a I selfie think. right now? No. Oh, okay. You oh, had okay. it out like this, and I'm like, I, I was doing? changing the no. I was he did that like two weeks ago though on the podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> I did. Yeah. You took a shelfie. Oh shelf! Yeah. Right. No, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, whatever I was it. negotiation tactic not respond right away let it sit there and simmer and give them the opportunity to negotiate against themselves because they'll give you that number if you wait like two hours sometime you know mm -hmm. maybe that's too much what, could you do this oh he, he, I, I do that tactic all the time that, yeah. it works perfect in person too when they'll throw out a number I just won't say anything <laughs> and and I'll just sit there and let them twist in the wind and they'll negotiate against themselves they'll be like Oh, 15, 10, 5, here, yeah. just take it. You know what I mean? It's like, okay. What happened so by he accident? Sent me, he sent me a number. Change. Yeah. He's, ask, he's asking for $80, and he put a question mark after it. And that question mark is exceptionally telling yeah. because yeah. it means that he is very unsure about asking for that much. Now, if this wasn't somebody that I genuinely cared about their well-being, I would probably be able to snatch this lot for 40 bucks. I don't think it would be difficult to get for 40 or 50 bucks. And then, you know, we also you know, try and do business with ethics. I could reasonably get, like if this was a complete stranger out of state, I could get this for 20, 25 bucks, like in a, in real life situation. But because we have a brand associated with it, we have minimums and, you know, we try and try and treat everyone right. So And, and repeat customer, you want to keep them happy. 
very much so. He, he might be moving. And I, I hate to say it, but if you know, if you're doing a deal with somebody that's going to move away and you're never, ever going to see him again, and like you're literally getting the last of their stuff, don't feel bad about it. You know, like just got to get, if they want to sell to you, great. If they can get some more from somebody else, great. But it's, it's entirely up to them. Cool. <laughs> All right. So this is the end. Plugs. So check out Chris. Chris is at CWR2 on Twitter. Uh, and CWR2 on Instagram. Jay uh, runs do you, the... Do you mind if I do my own shout-outs? I got quite Yeah, go right ones. ahead. Okay, so if you are anywhere in the uh, Central California area and you want to check out the game store, it's called Jay's Game Shack. We'd love to have you buy. Because we are in-house, everything's appointment-based. But just type in uh, Jay's Game Shack in uh, Facebook or Google. It'll pull it right up, and uh, you can message us or anything. We also ship items out. So if you see one of our listings and there's something you like, we generally will cover shipping. We offer military discounts and all that stuff, too. If you're interested in be, becoming a professional Amazon or eBay reseller, uh, we have uh, our group for that. It's facebook.com backslash groups backslash Bolarama. We also have a Patreon-funded back end on that as well. If you want more one-on-one -on -one support, it starts as low as a couple bucks a month. or We have one for 50 cents a day where you can get direct access uh, to over 20 professional resellers. And uh, anytime you need to talk with them, they're there. And then the final one is a, a big one. If you're having issues with shipping cost and you're here in the States and potentially here in Canada eventually, but if you're in the States, I, uh, I do consulting work with a company called Pirate Ship. And we have a link. It's pirateship.com backslash refer, R-E-F-E-R backslash C-V-C. That's Charlie Victor Charlie. And that'll get you plugged in. And there's a video for it as well where I break down how cubic shipping works. And it saves me like $200 a month on shipping costs. So that's that's the big thing. I'd strongly recommend anyone, anyone at all who's a reseller, I don't care if you're selling just a handful of games each month or if you're moving thousands of items a month, definitely get on that. It's saved me so much money so far. Okay. Um, and you, do you have a YouTube channel? I mean, I found one called Pickups. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, pickups basically means like yeah, yeah item pickups. And okay. we haven't uh, we haven't secured our URL yet because we just hit the hundred subscriber milestone. I noticed, yeah. So yeah, and uh, uh, so we we will be locking down that URL here within the next week. But we're trying to um, really figure out what direction the channel is going to be going next. Uh, if there's going to be more of an emphasis on tutorials or more of an emphasis on uh, direct interaction with other resellers and and classical training and stuff like that. So once we get that hammered down, I think we'll go ahead and brand the channel at that point. Yeah, but uh, the, the last video that we uploaded is the one on cubic shipping, and I, it's a little lengthy, it, it, but it'll fly by, but it'll save you hundreds of dollars a month on shipping. So it's super important. Okay, cool. Yeah, I saw that video was the most recent just five days ago. Okay, uh, and I am Derek of Two Dorks. That's T-W-O Dorks on YouTube. Um, don't do a whole lot there, but this video will be posted there. Um, this will be released in podcast and video form. Uh, check out Cartridge Club, cartridgeclub.org. That is the uh, a community of gamers, content creators, and collectors. That's where I met Chris and many other people we've talked about today. Um, thank you for listening, and thank you to my guests for helping me out on the episode. Thank you for having me. Cha-ching. All right. <clears throat> Do you need time to eat? <laughs> no, I just want to get in one more bite before we get going. <laughs> okay. Anyone need a break? An actual bathroom break or anything? Chris is eating. We'll let him eat. I don't no, want to hurry you. Boy. No, I don't want to no. hurry you. No, I'll just keep eating when Jay's talking. <laughs> All right.
I mean, you can do now. you can do the rest of the editing right now. You can yeah, that's what I was gonna do. Is I'm gonna lay it all out, um, mark the spots where we started, where the break was, um, where the end was. Maybe a bonus footage if I do find something funny like him eating the sandwich or drinking a drink. Um, it was a then, burrito, goddammit. 